to Kizar to the glory days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Hello, everybody, and welcome. It's going to be a big week. We're coming out of a great bye, Alex. What is happening? We're having some fun here. Uh, are we? Are you sure? Oh, yeah. Oh, you're having an aneurysm for a uh, second. Well, some people like to take it down to negative town. Um, I like to get down with some fun. Hey, you know what? Get down with some fun. It's, it's great. You know, the bye yeah. week is officially over, per se. I know so they still the got... losing streak. That's also true. The losing streak is officially over. Also, yes, we got Monday Night Football. Week 6 isn't officially in the books yet, but might as well be. We're getting ready now. We're preparing for Week 7. Yeah. Week 6 games, hey, maybe for your fantasy lineups is important. Ugh. But you know what? 49ers versus Colts is now what everyone's mind oh, needs yeah. to be on. This is huge for San Francisco. It's huge for the channel here as well, so make sure you hit that like button. Mm-hmm. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. And yeah, there are some things to talk about in 49ers. Land. There are things happening. There's stuff going on. And one of those things is Raheem Mostert. Raheem Mostert oh, yeah. officially had his surgery. Everything seemed to went A-OK. Raheem was talking about how the surgery went great. He's feeling great. There was also a video of him walking around right afterwards. You excited about that, Ant? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about Raheem getting healthy because I think he's a good guy and um, I think it's unfortunate what happened to him this year. You know, I mean, last year, 2020, it seemed like it bit everyone. Um, but this year, I was expecting something big to happen from Raheem, and it just didn't happen. Unfortunately, he gets hurt, you know, through a contact, something with the cartilage, which is kind of a freak thing. 100%. So I want to see this guy back, and I want to see him healthy. And um, I'm hoping that the 49ers can find a way to bring him back at some point next year. I just don't know if that is in the cards because of money. We'll see. Um, we'll see what the market is for a guy that's missed two years of you know with injuries um but he does still have that dynamic speed and you would think somebody especially a contender would want to give this guy a shot because he has the whole shot potential but yeah you're right i'm i'm glad that he's you know on the mend and i want to see him do well because i think he's a really good guy great guy great player great teammate um deserves a world he really does he deserves good things nothing but good things hoping he can be in san francisco i'm hoping we can find a way to make that get that done and, and have him back come next season and he can stay healthy for a full year Time will tell. We'll see what happens with that. Verrett as well had his surgery. That's true. He so did he's too. on the mend. There we go. So we got two guys of the 49ers that are going to be on the mend, and uh, hopefully they'll be uh, trending the right way come the, come the end of the season and, and heading into the offseason. I think two guys any 49er fan can root for, um, and Jason Verrett, I, I, I root for this guy. I don't care what team he ends up being on. Uh, I'm rooting for him because to overcome the things that he's overcame in his, you know, in his life through these injuries in the NFL is – uh, it's crazy, and I, I just wish him nothing but the best. I feel bad for him. Absolutely. Same here. Uh, both of them. Both both guys, yeah. hopefully they end up, they land in a situation they want to be in, right, that compensates them accordingly, and they're able to finish out their careers on a high note. That's what I'm hoping for both of them. I hope it all, obviously can be in San Francisco with yeah. the Niners, but... Hopefully right here in San Francisco. Right here in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, that, that's the hope, right? Yeah. Uh, but there was some other news. There was some other updates and things going on as well. Uh, obviously, there was the Buster screen release so that they could activate... Devontae Harris, and then they subsequently cut Devontae Harris and then subsequently signed him to the practice squad. Yeah. Because just like Dante Johnson and DJ, Devontae Harris now is always going to be somehow involved in San Francisco. Uh, Jordan Matthews, Devontae Harris, and DJ, all three of them, um, will be involved with the organization in some way, shape, or form pretty much every year until they retire. You can almost take that to the bank, Ant. 
Um, you know, a lot of fans are like, oh, why are they doing that? What's going on there? I, I feel that this is obviously just leading into right the activations of the guys they got coming back. Jermichael Hasty, probably Kevin Givens. They're freeing up those roster spots, getting those things available to move those guys in and activate them there. Um, I, I like knowing that Devontae Harris is on the practice squad. I feel that's a, a good option down there in case any other injuries happen. But hopefully we can keep all these guys yeah. healthy, keep Josh Norman healthy, healthy keep Drake or Patrick healthy. And, uh, you know, Manuel mostly stays doing what he's doing. And uh, we got a pretty solid room, especially with Diom Lenore sitting there as number four. Yeah, it's great news because earlier on in this year, we would have loved to have had Devontae Harris out there playing. Mm-hmm. It was like we were like, oh, can we please get him? And now we're to a point where it's we don't have to have Devontae Harris out there. We have other guys that can get it done for us. Um, so you're sitting in a better situation than you were even just a few weeks ago at the cornerback position. That is good news for the 49ers. It is stabilized. We talked about this a little bit last week, is the fact that once we get Dre Greenlaw back, this 49ers defense is going to be almost at full strength. Uh, Jason Verrett, who we alluded to earlier, he's the one big missing piece. Um, but they've got a couple of guys that are going out there and competing at a high level. You know, a veteran like Josh Norman that knows the tricks of the trade, and he's going to get out there, and he's going to get grabby, and we're going to get penalties. Um, but at the same time, he's going to go make sure that people don't absolutely terrorize us on one side of the field. Um, we're not going to have any Brian Allen situations and no Dante Johnson playing out there situations. The one thing that we'll say about him is he always knows where to be. And you want guys out there that know what where they're supposed to be. A smart, intuitive football player is always better than a guy who just has talent. They're going to figure it out. They're going to be in the right locations. And as long as you can have a guy that makes the other team play it very, very well and almost perfect, you have an opportunity to stop them. You mean to tell me that talent isn't everything in it and that sometimes having a nice little mixture of all of those things is just as important? Yeah, I'm definitely telling you that. There's a lot of a lot of the most talented people I've ever seen in my life never made it to um, the big show. There was sure. a kid that I went to high school with that could legit run a 4-2. Um, his brother played in the NFL. Sure. He did not. And if if he would have you know had his head on right, he would have been playing in the NFL too because you just can't teach that speed. Um, but it doesn't always go the way that you want it to go. So sometimes you got to put it together. And these guys are learning, and a lot of them are still developing, and they're not developing at the the pace that I think everyone expects. But maybe we're asking too much of these rookies. I mean, it's not always time for these guys to jump right in. Some of them need time to learn, develop, and then when they do, they become great stars. Hopefully, that's what trajectory we're on for some of these guys that we have. Absolutely. Um, and Lynch, you know, speaking of that, Lynch had made some comments, you know, this week, a couple different things. One was the insightful looking at, you know, their drafts and the people they've been taking and, and trying to gleam information or misses and hits on guys and you know, what characteristics, qualities certain guys had that led to them maybe being successful draft picks and things they can look for in the future. And then other guys, things they may have missed that right. would have led you to believe that they missed on some guys. Um, you know, he, he was talking about a lot of these things and trying to learn from that process and how he believes that they've established a pretty good repertoire of understanding guys that could hit on and, and guys that they might miss on. Um, but with that, Ant, with that discussion, came some insightful interesting comments on two of the rookies Mm -hmm. from this draft class two rookies that guys had well not guys but fans had very high expectations for ombre thomas and aaron banks yeah his aaron banks comments were probably the most enlightening of all of them because he talked about how they're expecting really important things and expecting him to become a really great player and he even so far as as basically went to say that yes it was going to be tough for him to do that this year against banks but they're expecting Expecting that at some point this year he's going to go out there and help us win games, Ant, this season. Does John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, are they setting something up here where they believe Aaron Banks is getting closer to being able to push Daniel Brunskill potentially for that right guard job? 
I think this is the first time that we've got a glimmer of hope that Aaron Banks is going to be able to contribute to this offensive line this season. Sure. I think during training camp, you know, coming in, there was a lot of hype and build up from a lot of people. Um, and we were kind of catching that wave as well because, I mean, it was just, it seemed like it was a very solid wave coming from everyone that was talking about 49ers offensive line that Aaron Banks was going to supplant Daniel Brunskill. You held strong and said, absolutely not. I took a wait-and-see approach. Um, Which was entire. Both, both yeah. approaches were entirely fair. Yeah, and I will say that, you know, Daniel Brunskill's play in the last couple of weeks, he struggled a little bit. There's been times where he's been up. There's been times where he's been down. Now, he also talked about the fact Aaron Banks had a little bit of a learning curve going from left guard to right guard. It is somewhat different. I'm surprised that an in, in inside offensive lineman, as somebody that's played offensive line, is struggling that much with that position change. You would think going from guard to center is the most difficult change from those two positions. Usually when you play interior offensive line, you're pretty flexible. And if you can play center, you can play all three positions. So that does throw, that just throw me off a little bit. I think that um, that was a little reason to pause. But the fact that he said he's going to contribute to this team and help us win games this season means they believe he's improving at a rapid pace and he's going to be able to go out there and eventually um, compete to the level that he can beat out a Daniel Brunskill and if he can, then that is a good sign for the 49ers because that means we're improving at the position. I don't know if that is wishful thinking. I don't know if this is something that we're actually going to see. Um, but it seems like John Lynch is willing to go ahead and put that out there, that this is a possibility that Aaron Banks can actually help the 49ers win football games this season. Look, I said at the start of the year, I, I thought that Brunskill had the head up. I didn't see a way that, that Banks could come in immediately and take care of that, but that I wasn't going to close the door on him being able to make that transition and somehow towards the end of the year, middle of the season, make that push. I said I wasn't going to definitely, I definitely wasn't going to put the car before the horse and say it was going to happen, right. but I wasn't going to close the door on it. This opens the door and like kickstand. Kickstand on the door is now open and it's, hey, Aaron, by the way, whenever you're ready, my guy, step on through and, and step up to the plate and let's, let's go, go to work with the big boys. Um, and Daniel Brunskill has helped open that door because the play has been inconsistent. Yeah. We've seen great games like in, I think it was week two of the season, or excuse me, it was week, uh, week three, I think, against... Uh, uh, I forget which week it was. It may have it may have been week two, Andrew. Yeah. It was early in the year where he had a phenomenal game. He played great. Didn't have a lot of sacks given up. No pr- no real pressures. Um, was doing a great job in the run game. He did a lot of great things in that week two performance. And then it started like drastically changing. Week three was kind of all over the place against Green Bay. Um, it didn't get any better in week five. There were times where it looked like he was lost. Uh, week four, there was definitely some communication stuff going on with him and Alex Mack, where guys, it seemed like both of them were going for the same guy. And there was been a couple, there was a couple run plays in week five where he is pushing up to second level and going after the same guys, Mike McGlinchey, when it's very obvious, hey, that's McGlinchey's guy and your guy's the next guy in space. So he's been a little all over the place. He's been struggling a little bit in terms of recognition who he's supposed to be going after and attacking. Um, and, and that does, it does. It does at least open the possibility to look at what Aaron Banks could do and if he could be a more stable presence, especially if he's picking up the offense, right? We both thought that he would develop. We mm-hmm. saw the change from that very first that very first open, open day of practice at Levi's to the first preseason game, how much things had shifted and changed for Aaron Banks from week one of the preseason you know, to what we were hoping was going to be week two, and then obviously he, sus- he sustains the shoulder injury, and we don't get to see a whole lot of that, but... The progress that he made from that first Saturday all the way to that first preseason game, I was like, okay, all right. Well, you know, I had a lot of concerns, but you know what? He, he's turned a lot of things around. Yeah. He's cleaning a lot of things up. He looks a little more comfortable in pass pro sets. 
looking cleaner in the run game, you know, knowing where he's supposed to be doing, executing, securing blocks at the first level. It's like, okay, those things are all great things for Aaron Banks in that short amount of time. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that uh, the bye week, too, is only going to help him. You know, gives him more time to go over things, make sure things fresh in his mind. Also, get that little bit of a breather from the NFL grind. You, you, that week to kind of just, okay, right, we're six weeks in. Yeah. I'm still here. I'm I'm surviving. You know, I'm learning. It's all good. And maybe that's going to give him that little extra boost of confidence going forward. Uh, but Aaron Banks is is definitely going to be someone that is can push for this job. Do I think that he's ready to do it? I don't know. I haven't seen anything. I, I, right? I, haven't, I haven't seen anything physically. We don't get to be at practices. You know, I haven't seen him play in a football game since, since the preseason. Yeah. But I have to trust that, that Kyle, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, right, there are no leaks. So that means when they put information out there, because it's because that information is important. So if they're out saying this now in public, and John Lynch is out in the public saying that this is a possibility and that Aaron Banks could help them win football games this year, Daniel Brunskill, the fire is now now needs to be lit under your behind because if you're not ready to step up and elevate, there is a young man behind you who's hungry, who's ready, and the front office trusts. And could it be more that they're trying to signal Daniel Brunskill? Could be that. Um, because in the same in the same comments, he kind of mentions that Daniel Brunskill can do enough to get them through the game and then tries to change to, oh, he can do enough to help us win. Um, it he is does a- enough to get you through a game, and not just enough to, through a game, but like to be a part of the reason you have success was the quote. Yeah, he is definitely letting Daniel Brunskill know we have a young cat back there. Now, the problem with it is they had to wait till this point to push Daniel Brunskill. Now, initially, I'm sure when the draft pick happened, Brunskill's like, I better get out there and play hard and, mm-hmm. and figure it out. But that first Saturday when we watched um, Banks, yeah, w- it was awful. I mean, it was it, bad. It was, bad. It was, it was bad. real bad. Um, it, I mean, Hurst was killing him. He, uh, Hurst was absolutely dominating him on every play. We heard people talking to about how Banks had a great Saturday, a great Saturday practice. I heard people saying that and was just like, I don't know what practice you were watching because Maurice Hurst basically leashed him and took him wherever he wanted to. That that was his day. Maurice Hurst controlled the D line. He controlled the line of scrimmage with that second group. That second group offensively got nothing done, mm-hmm. and Aaron Banks was a big reason as to why that was. I need names of who these people were because I will never trust their football acumen again. Um, because after the show, absolutely opposite of that, he struggled one hundred percent. And then time. you saw it in the preseason before he got hurt, or maybe it was after. Um, but he got better. But one thing I will say is he went from awful to you could tell he was improving in a big way. Correct. So I will give him credit for that. And it could be the adjustment to the speed. Maurice Hurst is not somebody that. You can handle laterally. What do we say when he got drafted? We're worried about his lateral movement, yep. quickness, decide. Aaron Donald's going to give this guy problems in that area. Can he anchor down on pass You know, pass pro? Absolutely. The side to side's a worry. We talked about the run game. If you have put a guy straight in front of him, he's going to mow them down. He's big and physical and strong. But if you he has to get to the second level, which Daniel Brunskill frequently does, plus they pull with their traps and all the counters that they run, He's got to get out there and he's got to be able to operate in space and not let people fly past him. And unfortunately, he's not ready for that. That's why it didn't make sense scheme fit wise. But I think when the 49ers drafted him, they actually drafted him after a little bit of a swerve and what their actual plan was. And once they got him, I think they pivoted to, we might not get somebody that's going to help us this season, but that we see big potential in, in the future. Um, so instead of going for an, an instant commodity that would have got them through this year, maybe been a slight improvement over Brunskill, they got someone that they think down the road, a project that could be an absolute steal of the draft. Whether they're able to develop him or not, whether Coach Forrester can get this done um, is another story. Yeah. But it seems like John Lynch is either one saying it's going to happen at some point this year 
or he's lighting a fire in Daniel Brunskill that's saying, hey, Brunskill, you better be playing Aaron Donald every single week in your mind or somebody's coming to take your spot. And that would be fair because as of right yep. now, it hasn't been the same level of consistency from Daniel Brunskill game in, game in, snap in, True. snap out. Um, but he also taught comments about Aubrey Thomas. These comments, not as positive. <laughs> not as positive. Right. Um, he talked a little bit about the rookie cornerback who, I mean, Aubrey Thomas has not played most, uh, basically any defensive snaps. On the season, it's been nine defensive snaps. And he's played 31 snaps on special teams. That's what his role has been. He's also been inactive and active, um, healthy scratches, and, and just a healthy uh, guy playing and active for the team. Um, Lynch said he still they still believe in Omri, that he's going to be a good football player. We drafted him because we thought that he had starting traits in our league. He had been away from football for a year because he opted out. There's some strength development that we need to have take place. That's been happening. He's working incredibly hard. We have a really good plan for him. I'm sure it's hard for people to see, but we're very encouraged by what we're seeing out of Ombre. He also talked about how he wasn't quite ready to start the year off, and then they're hoping that at some point he'd be able to. But again, all everything he's saying is we're, we're hopeful, or we were hoping, yeah. or we saw this. However, it's obvious that it's this right now. Um, this is a guy who is a project, and again, I think they, you and I both believe they were targeting someone else. Yep, who has been starting. Yep, and playing really well for a New Orleans Saints team, and I'm very upset about it. Yep. And they settled for this guy, knowing, mm -hmm. hey, you know what? We're going to get this guy. This guy's got a lot of similar traits. He's just not as polished as the guy we were targeting to begin not with. Not close. Not yeah. even close. Um, yeah, they pivoted. This is an Adam Peters pick. Uh, Adam Peters stood on the table for Ombre Thomas and said, this guy has the, the traits to be a starter in this league. And the 49ers went with it. And the 49ers had to completely pivot that middle part of that draft. And anyone that knows, knows you know, what we were doing during the draft and then after the draft immediately – knows that these were picks that we scrutinized because of how they fit the system and who they were. Um, and the 49ers know what they're doing at this point. They know they have to develop these two guys, and these guys are developmental pieces. I think when they drafted them, they thought that. I think ultimately they wanted to draft two guys that could have contributed to this roster this year. We've seen one, we've seen one for sure that is contributing in New Orleans, like you said, with Paulson Adebo. And we know John Lynch said Paulson Adebo that they were targeting. Um, but they pivoted, and they went to Ombre Thomas, and now Ombre Thomas is a 49er, and he needs to develop. And so far, he, all the things that we talked about are still there. He needs to put on more size. He needs to be more physical. That is his game. And right now, he's being outplayed by a fifth-round pick that they drafted in the same same year in Diameter Lenore. Lenore has been able to come in and play you know, a lot a lot of better snaps, and he f has figured out this defense a little bit better. Do I, do I think Ombre Thomas can develop into a starting caliber corner I'm not sure, but I do think that he can contribute at some point, whether that is as a backup or, or something like that. Um, but he's got a lot of development to go, and maybe he will be that guy one, one day. But right now, I'd put my money behind Diomero Lenore because I've seen it. It's tangible. I've been able to see it in practice. We've been able to see it in the games. Proof. There's, it, proof. there's proof there. Um, and with Ombre Thomas right now, there's just a lot of development. But we'll see what happens. And I, I do think he's one for sure. That is a, a complete red shirt. I know he's getting some special team snaps and stuff, but – um, he's a complete red shirt, and we'll see what happens next year. And next year could be a lot different—a full year in the league, a full year of practice—and hopefully he brings a consistency because uh, we could really use him. And and him and Lenore could really stabilize that secondary. Luckily, we have Emmanuel Mosley for one more year, but we got a lot of questions. Jason Brett's going to be gone. Josh Norman's probably going to be gone. Uh, Kwan Williams might be gone from the nickel spot. So I think they would love for Ombre Thomas to step up, fill that role next to Emmanuel Mosley, so they can move Diamond or Lenore into the slot. 
but we'll see. They might have to draft some more corners next year. They might have to, and that probably wouldn't be a bad idea, regardless of what happens with their development. 100%. Just to just to sure it up and yeah. make sure that you've covered all your bases. So get ready for a cornerback watch. Twenty twenty two. Twenty twenty two NFL draft cornerback watch. Now I've already. Hey, I'm already on it, man. I've already oh, been watching nice. a lot of corner stuff. Yeah. Uh, from college football, and just trying to figure out who are some guys the Niners could go after. Especially since we don't have a first round pick, and you're gonna to have to get someone a little bit later in the draft. You don't need first round picks for corners. Also true. Also true. Right? I mean, it, it, it's talent wise, it doesn't it doesn't hurt. Um, but I think cornerback is one of those ones you can really nail. You know, third, fourth, fifth round, you can get very talented players that Absolutely. can compete at a high level in this league. Some of my favorite corners, in fact, in this draft were in those that range. Look at Demo. Yeah. Look at what Demo's done. Oh, look, at, yeah. look at what Paulson Adebo has done with the Saints. I mean. There's, there's been a lot of guys who have gone later in this draft, including Asante Samuel Jr. He went later in this draft, yeah. and he's having a phenomenal start of the year so far with the Chargers. So there's all good old Florida State. Derwin, too. Oh, Derwin's fantastic as well. No, so, I mean, look, there's, there's yeah. a lot of things, a lot of options for the 49ers there. Um, Lynch also went on to talk about a little bit more with Matt Mayoko about Brandon Ayuk. Ooh. Um, and, you know, his comments, obviously, Pissed some people off. It made some of the 49ers fan base upset. I know it's crazy. They got really upset about it. You triggered. Know, I, I mean, they got uh, triggered is probably an understatement. That, including when we posted a lot of this on Facebook. I put it on the, our Facebook, the Facebook groups and, yeah. and shared it around. A lot of people were like, well, Lynch and Shanahan need to step up. It's not Brandon. And it's like, okay, yeah. well, hold on a second. I, I get what you're saying. But the, the comments that Lynch made now make it very, very apparent right now that what's what's going on is maybe... A little for me, it makes me at least me think that maybe it's a little more mental in terms of just you know how important it is for Brandon to elevate and take the next step. Um, they talked about how what I can tell you is that we very much still believe in Brandon. Brandon still very much believes in himself and us. We've just got to put it all together. And again, the urgency of that it needs to come. We have other people who are hungry and have earned opportunities as well. And so we're always going to put out the players that give us the best chance. We do understand that it's extremely important for us to get Brandon Ayuk at his best for us to ascend where we want to go. Yeah, I think this confirms my earlier thoughts. He was on the doghouse. They were throwing blems. Um, they were trying to get this guy's mental in the right spot to know that, dude, this is a swift kick in the butt. It's time to step up and play at a high level because we believe you've gotten complacent. You, you said that in those episodes, that he, you believe maybe he got complacent, and it appears that's what happened. Um, we all believe that Brandon Ayuk has immense talent. Is one of the most talented players on the team. Um, maybe the most talented receiver on the team as far as physical gifts. The problem is, is it comes down to production. You have to be able to pr produce. Yes, some of that it comes down to quarterbacks are missing this guy. 100%. He's open. 100%. The problem is, is even if you cherry pick two plays out of the whole thing um, and you hammer it down, you can't get it to where he's beating one-on-one -on -one competition all the time. Um, so, you know, you get on the phone, call someone else that's been watching the All-22 film all the time and realize that, you know what, unfortunately, Brandon needs to wing more consistently. And I think that's what they're saying. A sense of urgency. We're like, we need you to step up right now, today, not in two weeks, not in three weeks. We need you right now. Um, get it done. Don't be complacent. Be the man. Yeah. Be the man. Be the man that you think you are. Be the man that we think you are. Yeah, be the man black. that the fan base thinks that you are. Right? Be that guy. Because right now, he's not that guy. No. He elevated. Like, think about it, right? Packers. That corner stop route he ran against Jay Alexander. Beautiful. Oh, yeah. Separation in the end zone. Great. You're doing that against Jay Alexander. Top 10 corner in the league. You should be able to do that against anybody, then. Anybody in this league. Arizona Cardinals. Backup corner. No separation. Yeah. None. 
doesn't make any sense, Ant. It makes absolutely no sense. Um, and I've been saying this when we watched the All-22 films. It looks like at times there's just not that gear there, that extra gear that we saw last year, that speed gear. Now, whether that's because he's gotten a little bigger and he's gotten a little stronger and maybe some of the flexibility isn't there and he's lost some explosiveness on top of the injury that he was dealing with, it's affecting his gait, his natural running movement. He's just not confident at times, pushing off and exploding in space. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's a technique thing with his routes. I don't know. But at times, it doesn't seem like it's there. And it needs to be there all the time. Mm-hmm. If you can beat Jair Alexander one-on-one in a 15-yard space window in the red zone, then there's no reason for you to not beat any corner in this league, or at least get him a couple of times. Get him a couple of times. And when you're not going against a top 10 talent in the league at the cornerback position, you better be toasting that fool more times than you're not. I better be seeing 50% of the time on routes where if Jimmy or Trey finds Debo across the middle on a middle a middle dig, yeah. right, and you got man coverage on the outside, I want to be able to sit there and go, don't throw the dig. Take the shot. Ayuk's got three steps. Let's go. Like, that's what they want from this guy. Uh-huh. They want to be able to go in the film room and be like, Jimmy, Trey, no. Look at that matchup over there. Look at that one-on-one on the outside. Look at Brandon Ayuk on that, that little dum-dum over there. You're going to go there first. That's your first read. Go look at that. Kyle's not telling him to do that right now, nor should he be, because he's not beating the dum-dum on the outside. He occasionally is winning. Yeah, and unfortunately, what's crazy is I think Twitter and 49ers Brass are on the same page where they want Brandon Ayuk to be successful. It's just they're going about it different ways, right? At the Right now, the Twitter is blaming Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. It's their fault. You're not getting in the ball right. enough. You're not targeting him enough. And, and I think it's a combination, right? It's, it's a little bit of that, where the quarterbacks are struggling to get Brandon Ayuk the, the ball sometimes. In this last game, he easily could have three or four more catches where we saw him wide open. For about 50 or 60 yards. Where Trey doesn't see him. And Trey's learning. Trey's developing. And we understand that. And everyone that wanted Trey to play, I just want to let you know, this is going to happen with Trey Lance on the field. That's okay, because he's growing. He's learning. Brian Ayuk is not growing and learning. Brian Ayuk is a guy that played last year. He should have established himself as one of those guys this year. And I think they're going out there and they're saying, you know what? We drafted you to be Devontae Adams. We drafted you to be Stephon Diggs. And you're out here and you're not. You are being, you know, a... You're, you're, all you are right now is last year's version of Brandon Ayuk. I think right now what he is, is he's literally a sidekick to Debo Samuel. Um, and Debo Samuel is supposed to be the sidekick. I, I mean, I love Debo Samuel and the things he does, but it's supposed to be the Ayuk show, and then you're supposed to get Debo Samuel the ball, and he does everything else. All the things like John Taylor did, you know, the slants, the screens, everything else, and you're not getting that no. because Brian Ayuk hasn't stepped up. So you know what happened? They're like, you know what? We can count on Debo, though. And Debo's going out there and asserting himself as one of those guys and proving that he's, he's no sidekick. And if Brian Ayuk ever gets to the point, he's going to be like, no, we're both Batman. Um, because that's that's just who he is. He's one of those guys. He's a freak. But Brandon Ayuk needs to step up his game. That's what they're saying. And he has the potential to do it. He's very athletic. He's very talented. No one here on this podcast, no no sane person is sitting here watching Brandon Ayuk and being like, no, the kid just doesn't have it. The kid's just garbage. No. No. The kid is extremely not. talented. Very. And that's what's frustrating for you and I. The frustration level isn't that he's not getting the ball. It's... You watch the old 22 film because you're sitting there going, all right, I know he's not getting a lot of touches. And I know he's not getting a lot of balls thrown his way. Why is it? Right? Is he not open? Yeah. Is he a decoy? You know, is he not winning versus coverage? And you watch it and it's like it's kind of all three, right? On a week-to-week basis, it's been different. The, 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 
the Eagles game, he was getting a lot of bracket coverage, as was George Kittle. What do the Niners do? Put Kittle and Ayuk on the same side of the field, have one of them run a middle route, a middle crosser, or a middle, you know, outside the numbers, and have the other one set them on a seam vertically. And guess what? You got four guys now occupied in space, worried about that, and you got Devo Samuel 101 coming on the backside, and it's like... Or Juwan Jennings. Or Juwan Jennings, right? Yeah. So it's like, all right, cool, great, wonderful, awesome. You freed up everybody else, and the Niners were able to move the ball enough to get that, you know, get those football wins. And since what's happened is there's not as much bracket coverage on IU. No. And teams willing to take the chance yeah. and single him up in times where he wins, times where Kyle Shanahan calls the right play against the right coverage, and Ayuk's open, and, you know, Jimmy misses him, Trey misses him, the O-line doesn't hold up and we can't get the ball there, or a stupid penalty. One of those things has happened, so it's taken away those extra opportunities for Brandon Ayuk versus zone coverage, where Kyle calls the right scheme, Debo draws the attention of two or three guys, and Ayuk's wide open in space over the middle of the field, and we just don't get him the ball. Or, right in this last game, where they ran the same, the same formation twice, where they basically ran clear-out verts with an underneath slant. He misses Debo on the one, and he misses a wide-open Brandon Ayuk on one of the other ones that would have been a thirty, potentially a 20-, 30-yard game yeah. for Brandon Ayuk in space. Um, it's just frustrating. It's unfortunate situation and bad timing in terms of when guys are missing. But Ayuk is getting opportunities. He's getting chances. And when a team comes out and runs man against you, Trey right now is catching the ball and looking for Debo. Not catching the ball and looking for Ayuk. And I, it's very obvious why. Because Debo, more times than not, wins his route and creates enough separation for a quarterback to want to put the ball in space to him. Mm-hmm. And Ayuk is hit or miss. I do think there's not a lot of chemistry either between Brandon Ayuk and Trey Lance. Which is, do you find that odd? Because they did spend some of the offseason working out with each other. And training camp. I yeah. Mean, a lot of the footballs, were, but think about it, even during the preseason, Trey Lance's balls were getting dropped by Brandon Ayuk. Um, and we saw it all through training camp, too, where he just wasn't catching the ball from Trey Lance. You've seen the one where Trey Lance is on the scramble drill and Brandon takes off at a different time. It seems to be like they're just a little bit off, and I don't know what that is, you know, what that is about them. I think Brandon's one of those guys that wants to be in one spot at the right time, uh, and he's trying to learn how to, you know, create after, and I think there is a little bit of something there. We'll see what happens if they, if they develop more of a chemistry as it goes on. Um, but he might actually benefit from having Jimmy Garoppolo as the quarterback because Jimmy knows where he's going to be, and Jimmy will put it to those open areas where he can get it. And you've seen a little bit of flip of the script against Arizona where they did put Brian Ayuk over the middle more than they had in the other games, and he was open. And, and Trey didn't really find him in those situations, but Trey's learning. We've talked about intermediate range for Trey as a struggle sometimes over the middle. Outside the numbers? Fantastic. But in the same regard, Alex, the faith that they have in Brian Ayuk is evident because Jimmy Garoppolo throw outside the numbers to Ayuk on third down, makes the catch. You got the one from Trey this week on the outside, makes the catch. They have faith they're going to him in these situations. Yeah, the one-arm catch as well. That was beautiful. Um, so they count on him to make these plays. The problem is every single play we just mentioned right now, there was zero separation on those plays. Zilch. Yeah. It's not, and that's not good. That's, that's the bad aspect of what's going on right now. Um, and the numbers show that the NFL Next Gen stats – about his separation is almost a yard and a half less this season than it was last yeah. last year. Those are concerns. Those are problems. Those aren't great things. Is it still early in the season? Absolutely. Yep. Is some of this a timing and a chemistry issue? Potentially, because still, Brandon Ayuk hasn't spent a lot of time with Jimmy Garoppolo. So there's that. And you have Trey Lance, a new quarterback coming in. There's also that. Um, you know, I'm not willing to panic. I, I, I watched some All-22 film of the Bears because I'm trying to understand what's going on with Allen Robinson because he's got a very similar thing going on this year where he is not getting targeted. He's not getting looked at. He's being missed wide open. A hundred percent. 
the young quarterback who yep. doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing. And I watched the Ultimate 2 film, and I'm like, I can't be mad at Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson's freaking open, yeah. and he's just being missed. Um, you know, if Trey's the quarterback going forward, that's going to happen. Luckily, I think if we move the move back to Jimmy, which is, looks like it's going to be the case this week here in Week 7 against this Colts team, there are going to be better opportunities for Ayuk to be able to, especially when teams decide to go zone against the 49ers, if they decide to send Debo on certain routes and get Ayuk over the middle, Ayuk's going to make some more plays in those situations. And I, I don't know. I just I feel like there's a better chance of there being chemistry between Jimmy and Ayuk right now than than Jimmy or than Ayuk and Trey. Because Trey is going to go with the hot hand. Who's the guy that's making plays right now? Who's the guy that you know I've seen Jimmy go to and that I can rely on? He's going to want to emulate some of those things and sometimes even just stare down a wide receiver. We've seen him do this. Yeah. Um, there's more there's a better chance a long term this season for Ayuk to get it turned around with a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, who is going to read the defense and then make the decision based off that than Trey Lance, who's a young guy who's going to rely on and maybe an individual in a single matchup rather than necessarily reading the field and finding the right guy. Yeah, and I think the Colts are a good matchup for Brandon Ayuk because they're going to have some injuries in the secondary. Mm-hmm. There's going to be opportunities for him to be able to win. I think what can also help is if Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel scheme up some things that are a little bit different than what Ayuk has done this season. Go to more of the copycat of what they did last year. Get him involved with some of the screens. Um, get him the ball on the reverses. Do little things like that that help his him playmaking ability um, be used. Maybe get him into a rhythm where he starts feeling like he's a part of the offense and not feeling like he's going out there and just running routes and not getting the football. Maybe that will help engage him a little bit. But I also think it's needed because then it'll take some of the pressure off of, of Debo Samuel. But in the same regard, it's hard to bracket somebody like a Brandon Ayuk if you don't know where he's going to be. Move him in motion a little bit more. I know they like moving Debo and they like moving George Kittle and Kyle Juszczyk. But moving Brandon Ayuk could also help as well. So I'm curious if they do switch it up a little bit, go to that, go a little bit more horizontal with him at times, and then make Debo run the vertical. It's okay to do that and switch it up. Um, but, I mean, looking at our our 49ers offense, with the fact that we got Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, we should be able to mask the loss of George Kittle as far as production in the passing game because these should be considered two of the better receivers in the league. We just need them to elevate their game to that level. Debo Samuel's been doing his best to get there. And if Brandon Ayuk ascends to that level at the, during this season, this offense is going to be very hard to stop. He's gotten called out now. Now it's time to respond. We'll see if it works. If it doesn't, um, that's a whole other bag of, of, of worms that we got to open. That's but a conversation for another day. I'm going ahead and saying that he's going to respond. He's going to have a big game against the Colts, and the 49ers offense is going to get it going after this bye week. You know what I haven't seen under Brandon Ayuk? I haven't seen a guy who doesn't take his route seriously. I haven't watched a single clip on film where, you know, if Brandon Ike were truly upset and frustrated that he was just like, yeah, you know, I'm not getting targeted here. I know that I'm going to dog this here because there's no point. There's no point. I'm not going to. Well, he would end up in New York with the Catman. Oh, 100%. He would end up in New York with the Catman. But these are the, those are the type of things that you see from someone who'd be fed up with an organization, fed up with a situation. Those are the type of things that you start to see is a guy who dogs things, takes plays off, takes routes off. I don't see that. I don't see a guy taking plays off. In fact, I see a guy on the backside of run plays, stretch run plays, and tosses and lying to second level, Agreed. trying to make blocks and trying to have an impact in the run in the run game. Brandon Ayuk knows what needs to be done. John Lynch isn't lying when he said this guy is not. You know, he he's not, he doesn't not believe in us or believe in himself yeah. anymore. No, no, this is a guy who believes in everything that's going on. I think he knows that he was dealing with some stuff and maybe wasn't doing the things necessary or taking things as serious as maybe they wanted him to take it and understands what he needs to do now and is taking the corrective actions to get there. I'm looking forward to seeing what a full week off and a week for him to refocus his head and get his brain right and get his mental where it needs to be heading into this Colts game because you're right, Ant. 
with all the weaknesses there with the secondary, they got injuries. T.Y. Hilton also on their offense dealing with potentially another injury and maybe being out this week as well. This is a team in the Colts that's going to try and rely on their run game, and if the 49ers can stud up like they have the last few weeks, talking about situations where the Niners offense could be getting the ball a lot, a lot of three-and-out situations, going up against a tired secondary, a tired pass rush, a tired DeForest Buckner, which means opportunities to take shots downfield and exploit, an area that we want to see Brandon Ayuk thrive in. We'll see what Kyle has dialed up. It's going to be an interesting week, that's for sure. It really will, and I, I hope Kyle does get him involved early and, and finds creative ways to do it because I think he's one of those guys that responds well to being involved in the game plan as far as not just on route running, but in other ways, right? Um, there's been plenty of people that, like, there was quarterbacks who used to like getting hit, and then after they got their first hit, they felt like they were in the game. Um, I'm thinking Brandon might be one of those guys, that he needs something to happen to make him feel a part of the game. That might be why he's always had, you know, been drawn to the punt return game as well. It makes him feel like he's a part of it, like he can make something happen on any play. And sometimes when you're running routes, and you know this, if you're being bracket covered and you can't get open, um, that's not your fault. You're just being double covered. I mean, it's hard to be double covered. So, and what are you saying? Are you saying you saying what I think you're saying? Yeah. That if someone knows what route you're going to run before you run it, and you constantly running that route, that's just like, man. Yeah. This is, this is sick of this. Yeah. This is nonsense. I think so, and I, I think that you know, um, the 49ers offense is going to figure this out though. They had a week to do it. They see how all these teams are playing them. Now they have to adjust. If they don't adjust, um, some of that onus is going to be you know falling on Kyle Shanahan, but. From the All-22 film, from what we've seen, um, Kyle's done a pretty good job calling these plays and putting his team in situations to be successful. They just have to execute. Um, sometimes it's it's unfortunate it's an execution here or there that's causing things to happen. Maybe they can pull it all together. Maybe the break is what they needed. They can refocus, like you said, get it together, get out there and win the football game because we sure as heck need to beat the horseshoes. That's that's for sure, Ant. I'm going to tell you what, yeah. I, I feel refreshed. And if I feel refreshed yeah. and rejuvenated for this long Week 7 buildup, 49ers are too. Oh yeah, I, I believe it in my bones, deep down, deep down in my soul. You turned another another year old. Don't remind me. Yeah, don't remind me. I don't. I don't have birthdays. What are you talking about? You're hitting the prime. <sighs> this is the prime, man. We're in big trouble. <laughs> We're in big trouble. I need to get back to work. It's, that's that's for <laughs> sure. That's for sure. But look, cutback crew. Let us know what you think about all of this down below. Are you excited for week seven? You you happy about Mostert and Verrett getting back and dealing? You know, progressing well with their surgeries. Lynch's comments about both Banks and Thomas, giving you some hope, giving you some doubt. The comments about Brandon Ayuk, are you sick of hearing John Lynch's face, his stupid face? Just get Brandon the ball. Let us know about all of it down below in the comment section. And while you're down there, don't forget to like. Don't forget to subscribe. If you haven't already, hit that notification bell as well. Head on over to Patreon. You don't want to miss today's big yikes because someone ant is yelling at that mean ocean, mm -hmm. and we got to talk about it. Yeah, it's a long yell at the mean ocean, too, and we're going to get all into it. Uh, he rented a yacht, went out there, and was just shouting for mm -hmm. what felt like hours. Yes, and I am ready for this. I have comments galore ready for this. Can't wait. It's going to be good times. It's going to be exciting. We're going to be there in a snap. A big snap and a big – hopefully we don't cut back into time when we yeah, do that. Yeah, hopefully not. <laughs> Cutback crew, though, faithful. This is a lot of fun. We enjoyed it. We're looking forward to everything Week 7 has, has in store for the 49ers and for all of us. And until the next one, stay safe. Remember the right way. Is always the 49ers way.